In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us kneel. Christ has appeared to us. Come, let us adore Him. When the three holy kings saw the star, they said to each other, This is the sign of the great king. Let us go and search for him and offer him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And all the kings of earth shall adore him. All nations shall serve him. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, bless us and grant us the grace of loving Holy Church and of ever showing forth our love by the witness of our deeds. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, bless us and grant us the grace of professing courageously the faith that we received of thy gift in holy baptism. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, bless us and grant us the grace of sharing in the defense and propagation of the faith whether by word or by the sacrifice of our fortunes and our lives. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, bless us and grant us the grace of loving one another in mutual charity and establish us in perfect harmony of thought, will, and action under the rule and guidance of our holy pastors. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, bless us and grant us the grace of conforming our lives fully to the commandments of God's law and that of His Holy Church so as to live always in that charity which they set forth. Please respond, pray for us. Saint Agnes, Virgin and Martyr. Saint Agnes, consecrated to God in thy youth. Saint Agnes, loathing the lure of the world and all its vanity. Saint Agnes, singular model of virginal purity. Saint Agnes, rose among the thorns of paganism. Saint Agnes, inflamed with the love of God. Saint Agnes, defender of the faith. Saint Agnes, victorious over all temptations. Saint Agnes, consolation of the hearts of Jesus and Mary. Saint Agnes, guardian of all virgins. Saint Agnes, virgin in soul and body. Saint Agnes, bride of the Savior of the world. Today is the third Sunday after Epiphany. We continue to celebrate the most holy season of Christmas and Epiphany. Epiphany means that Jesus reveals His glory. He brings the great light from heaven to earth. Jesus reveals who He is. We can say that this is the great epiphany, the great manifestation. Jesus reveals Himself as the Savior the Son of God, as the one true God. He reveals His divinity to the Gentiles. The Magi come to adore Him. He reveals His divinity to the Jews, His baptism in the Jordan. He reveals His divinity to His disciples, 
his first miracle at the wedding at Cana, last Sunday's Gospel. And I also mentioned to you last Sunday how a great epiphany, a great revelation of who Jesus is, is He reveals His divinity by teaching in the temple. As a child of 12 years, He is teaching in His Father's house. We as His disciples are called to believe in Him and to be faithful to His teaching. Believing in Jesus Christ can never be separated from believing and being faithful to His teaching and the teaching of the Holy Catholic Church. That's why this is also a great epiphany of our Lord. He's there in the temple teaching the doctors of the old law. And this morning, especially because of the great feast of the circumcision of our Lord, and that was on January the 1st, and also because of all the great martyrs that we are celebrating during the Christmas season, I want to emphasize that the Divine Child, He also reveals who He is. Again, a great epiphany, a manifestation of His glory, of who He is. He reveals who He is by shedding His precious blood and by giving us the grace to live and die for Him. In other words, to be His true disciples. And what the Divine Child is doing is He, just like He gives us the three kings as holy examples and intercessors, He also gives us Martyr after martyr after martyr. All of those martyrs are drawing inspiration and strength from the precious blood that He shed for our salvation. And they in turn are manifesting to Him their love, their devotion, and their fidelity. Hopefully, one of the great prayers that we can pray to the Divine Child during Christmas and throughout the year is, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I love Thee. Jesus, I live for Thee. Jesus, I suffer for Thee. Jesus, I die for Thee. We might say these aspiratory prayers they are best fulfilled by the martyrs. Because the martyrs are the ones who truly loved Jesus. They lived for Him. They suffered for Him. They died for Him. This is what we should strive to do. And hopefully the example of the martyrs will help us to remain ever focused on this. So that every day when we wake up, we will recommit ourselves. Jesus, I love Thee. Jesus, I live for Thee. Jesus, I'm going to be a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better mother, 
I'm going to live for thee. I'm not going to live primarily based on what the others are doing or not. I may have small or very big problems in my marriage or with my children or with my parents. But I live my marriage for thee. That's what it means to say, Jesus, I live for thee. Jesus, I suffer for thee. Jesus, I die for thee. Remember that we began Christmas with a great feast of Jesus shedding His precious blood and revealing who He is. Namely, He is the one who comes to save us by shedding His precious blood. That's the great feast of the circumcision of our Lord on January the 1st, concluding the octave of Christmas. This is a great epiphany. It's a great sign to us of who Jesus is. He comes to save us. He comes to shed His precious blood for us because He loves us. Consider all the different feasts that we've been celebrating during this Christmas and Epiphany. The very day after Christmas, on December the 26th, was the feast of St. Stephen, the proto-martyr. Proto-martyr meaning the first martyr. A gift of the divine child. Two days after that, obviously still within the octave of Christmas, the fourth day of the octave of Christmas, December the 28th, the Feast of the Holy Innocents. Today, because it's the third Sunday after Epiphany, we don't include the different prayers and really the readings, the propers of the Mass for St. Agnes. But today, January the 21st, is the Feast of St. Agnes, Virgin and Martyr. St. Agnes, Virgin and Martyr, she truly is one of the greatest martyrs in the history of the Catholic Church. It's not a coincidence that we celebrate her feast during the Christmas season. The Divine Child giving us martyr after martyr after martyr. On January the 18th, I want to point this out to you. This was just three days ago. On January the 18th, we celebrated the feast of St. Prisca, Virgin and Martyr. There are varying accounts of this uh, also a child martyr. She was martyred when she was 13 years old. Uh, there's one tradition that has her being martyred in the 3rd century. So, let's say roughly around... 270 A.D. There's another tradition that has her being martyred in the first century. According to that tradition, she was baptized by St. Peter and she suffered martyrdom. Really, she could very well have been one of the very first martyrs of the city of Rome being martyred even before Saints Peter and St. Paul. The feast of this great virgin martyr also of Rome is on January the 18th. But... Also on January 18th, we have a very important feast. Prior to the revisions of the general Roman calendar, which Pope John the 23rd made in 1960, January the 18th was the feast of the chair of St. Peter at Rome. And 
February the 22nd was the feast of the chair of St. Peter at Antioch. Pope John the 23rd, in the revisions that he made to the calendar, he merged both of them and simply named February the 22nd as the feast of the chair of St. Peter Apostle. But I do point out to you this morning that according to the, let's say, prior calendar, prior to those revisions, January the 18th is also the Feast of the Chair of St. Peter at Rome. The significance of this is coupled with the fact that on January the 25th, four days from today, January the 25th is the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. So we have two great feasts of the Holy Apostles, Peter and Paul, and even though the specific nature of these feasts have to do with the chair of St. Peter in Rome, namely his teaching office and the conversion of St. Paul, certainly these feasts call to our minds and our hearts their martyrdoms. The martyrdom of St. Peter, the martyrdom of St. Paul, the blood that they shed for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the truth, the truth taught by our Savior Jesus Christ. January the 19th, two days ago, we celebrated a whole family of martyrs. Also calls to mind the Holy Family of Nazareth. That feast we celebrated two weeks ago. That family of martyrs are Saints Marius, Martha, Audifax, and Abacum. Yesterday, January the 20th, we celebrated two great martyrs, Saints Fabian and Sebastian, both of them martyred in Rome on January the 20th. Tomorrow, January the 22nd, we celebrate the feast of one of the greatest deacon martyrs of the Catholic Church, that's Saint Vincent, deacon and martyr. He was the archdeacon of the Church of Saragossa in Spain. Together with St. Stephen, we just mentioned him, December 26th, the proto-martyr, and St. Lawrence of Rome, they're the three greatest deacon martyrs of the Catholic Church. St. Vincent's feast day is tomorrow. And I point out to you that in two days, on January the 23rd, is the feast of St. Emerentiana, who was the foster sister of St. Agnes. Saint Emerentiana, virgin and martyr. Her feast day is in two days. A few words about Saint Agnes, whose feast is today. Saint Agnes suffered martyrdom in Rome at the age of 13, in the year of our Lord 304, during the persecutions of the Emperor Diocletian. Agnes's extraordinary beauty caused her to be desired by many as their future spouse, but her principal suitor was Procopius, the son of the governor of Rome. Procopius pleaded his love for her and offered her riches, a palace, precious gifts, and numerous slaves. Agnes refused, saying, quote, No, you must go, For already a lover 
has secured my heart. And He is more powerful, more noble. His countenance more charming in my eyes. His love sweeter to my heart. His presence more delightful than anything in the world. At His touch, the sick are healed. The dead awaken at His word. I have vowed to be entirely His. I can love Him and remain chaste, press Him to my heart and still be pure, receive Him as my lover and still be a virgin. Close quote. Due to this refusal, Agnes was accused of being a Christian and she was eventually beheaded for her faith in Christ. Less than a century following Agnes's martyrdom, St. Ambrose, doctor of the church, wrote the following, quote, It is the feast of a virgin. Let us walk in the path of purity. It is the feast of a martyr. Let us offer up our sacrifice. It is the feast of St. Agnes. Let men admire. Let the married be filled with wonder. And the unmarried follow in her footsteps. Close quote. St. Agnes is one of the greatest examples of the Catholic Church. And again, we can say a gift of the divine infant. St. Agnes is one of the greatest examples of one who, by her virginity and martyrdom, she was conformed to the likeness of Christ. And This is why Jesus willed to be born in a cave, in piercing cold, in Bethlehem of Judea. That we may be conformed to His likeness. We always have to make an effort to remind ourselves, this is at the center of Christmas. That the Son of God chose to become like us. He willed to take on a human nature so that we may become like Him. So that we may receive the life of grace and grow in His grace every single day, becoming more and more like unto Christ. And that's why the Divine Child gives us the grace of martyrdom. As soon as we began Christmas, St. Stephen, the first martyr. Today, also a great gift of the Divine Child, St. Agnes. She was conformed to His likeness. She's an example for us. Don't forget also those words of St. Ambrose, Doctor of the Church. He's teaching us the significance of these feasts for us. He says, it is the feast of a virgin, obviously referring to today, the feast of St. Agnes. He says, it is the feast of a virgin, let us walk in the path of purity. It is the feast of a martyr, let us offer up our sacrifice. It's the same message as that of the three kings. Let us offer to the divine child our sacrifice, our gift. Remember, Jesus, I love thee. Jesus, I live my life for thee. 
Jesus, I suffer for Thee. Jesus, I die for Thee. That's the sacrifice and that's the gift that we are to offer to the Divine Child. Saint Emerentiana was the foster sister of Saint Agnes. Some days after Agnes's burial in the year of our Lord 304, Emerentiana, who was still a catechumen, went to Agnes's grave to pray. And while praying, she was suddenly attacked by the pagans and stoned to death. At once God sent an earthquake with lightning and thunder, and a large number of pagans perished. And from that time on, they did not harm those who came to Agnes's tomb. Saint Emerentiana is represented with stones in her lap and also with a palm or lily. And again, we'll celebrate her feast day in two days on Tuesday, January the 23rd. The martyrs whom we commemorated two days ago, January the 19th, were a family of father and mother, Marius and Martha, and their two sons, Audifax and Abacum. They were Persians. They came to believe in Christ and became Christians. In imitation of the early Christians of Jerusalem, they gladly gave away their fortune to the poor. In the year of our Lord 270, they all made a pilgrimage to Rome to venerate the tombs of the apostles Peter and Paul. Obviously, this has to do with the martyrdom of saints Peter and Paul. The emperor Claudius II was then persecuting the church and this holy family gave Christian burial to the remains of martyrs. Because of that, they too suffered martyrdom. Marius and his two sons were beheaded on the Via Cornelia in Rome and their bodies were burnt. Martha, meanwhile, was killed at a place called Nymphe Catabasi, later called Santa Ninfa, 13 miles from Rome. Tradition states that Martha was cast into a well. A few words about yesterday, about one of yesterday's martyrs, and that's Saint Sebastian. Here again we're talking about some of the greatest martyr saints of the Church of Rome. Obviously there can be some debate, but among the greatest martyrs of the city of Rome, and hence in a way also greatest martyrs of the Catholic Church, are Obviously, Saints Peter and Saint Paul. We already made some reference to them in terms of the feasts of January the 18th and January the 25th. So obviously, at the very head of that list are Saints Peter and Paul. But pretty much right after Saints Peter and Paul, we could put Saint Lawrence, again, deacon and martyr, Saint Lawrence of Rome, and Saint Sebastian. We celebrated his martyrdom yesterday. And then we can add to the list very top of the list, Saints Cecilia and Agnes, virgins and martyrs of Rome. So again, we're talking about the greatest martyrs of Rome and we've got almost all of them in these days. Saint Sebastian suffered martyrdom in Rome on January the 20th in the year of our Lord, 288. Sebastian's noble birth and his personal bravery won him great respect, power, and privilege. 
As the prefect of the Praetorian Guard, Sebastian was highly favored by the Emperor Diocletian. Unbeknownst to the Emperor, Sebastian was a devout Christian who assisted his fellow Christians through good works, almsgiving, and prayer. Once Diocletian discovered that Sebastian was a Christian, he used every means to turn him from his faith in Christ. But as neither promises nor threats availed, Diocletian ordered him to be tied to a post and shot to death with arrows. That's why a lot of times in the pictures of St. Sebastian, you'll see him tied to a post or tied to a tree with all kinds of arrows through his body. A devout widow named Irene, and this we can say Irene of Rome, she was a widow of St. Castulus, who was also a martyr. A devout widow named Irene arranged for Sebastian's burial during the night. Finding him still alive, she cared for him in her own house. After his recovery, he appeared again before Diocletian and boldly rebuked him for his sins. Enraged by the saint's sharp words, the emperor ordered him scourged and beaten until he expired. His body was thrown into a sewer. St. Sebastian's remains were later retrieved and buried in the catacombs over which was built the basilica in his name, St. Sebastian outside the walls, that's in Rome. Additional remains of St. Sebastian are found in the Basilica of the Twelve Holy Apostles in Rome and the Benedictine Abbey in Ebersberg, Germany, where St. Sebastian's cranium, encased in silver, is displayed for public veneration on his feast day. A final word about St. Vincent. St. Vincent, his feast day is tomorrow, January the 22nd. The three great deacon martyrs of the early church are one, St. Stephen, proto-martyr, the first martyr for the Christian faith. Number two, St. Lawrence of Rome, martyred in 258 A.D. And number three, St. Vincent, tomorrow saint, St. Vincent of Spain, martyred in 303 A.D. St. Vincent suffered martyrdom at Valencia in Spain in the year of our Lord 303 during the persecution of the Roman emperors Diocletian and Maximian. Vincent and his bishop Valerian were imprisoned in Valencia. Hunger and torture failed to break them. When the two were brought before Dacian, the governor of Valencia, it was Vincent who answered in his own and in his bishop's name. That was also because the bishop had difficulty in speaking. The bishop was sent into banishment and exile while Vincent remained to suffer martyrdom and die for Christ and the faith. The wicked Dacian first ordered that Vincent be stretched on the rack and his body was almost torn asunder. Next, the martyr's flesh was torn with hooks and he was bound in a chair of red-hot iron. Lard and salt were rubbed into his wounds. Amid all these horrific tortures, Vincent kept his eyes raised to heaven and remained firm in the faith. Since Vincent still refused to give up the sacred books to be burned, according to the emperor's edict, he was tortured on the gridiron. Afterwards, he was thrown into a filthy prison cell where he converted the jailer. 
Finally, Vincent was cast into a solitary dungeon with his feet in the stocks. But angels came to console him and assure him that he was near his triumph. His wounds were now tended to prepare him for fresh torments. And the faithful were permitted to gaze on his mangled body. They came in large numbers, kissed the open sores, and carried away his relics, cloths dipped in his blood. However, before the tortures could recommence, the martyr's hour came, and he breathed forth his soul in peace. All of these examples of martyrdom that the Divine Child gives us, we can say that they're all born from the circumcision of our Savior Jesus Christ and obviously His passion and death. But He gives us all of these examples to help us so that we can also, every day, truly live for Him, suffer for Him, die for Him. Do make it a point to pray this often. Jesus, I love Thee. Jesus, I live for Thee. Jesus, I suffer for Thee. Whatever the suffering may be, Jesus, I die for Thee. And remember also that there is a very strong link, a very strong connection between the truth and martyrdom. The Divine Child, He came to bring us the truth the light of the epiphany, the star in the heavens. He comes to bring us the truth. That's why also we want to remember the divine child teaching in the temple. He comes to bring us the truth and He also comes to bring us martyrdom. Because we have to be willing to suffer for the truth and to be ready to suffer for the truth. We have many in the church today in very high places, that they're being unfaithful to Catholic doctrine, they're trying to change Catholic doctrine, because they're unwilling to suffer for the truth. They don't believe in the truth, and they're unwilling to suffer for the truth. Every single martyr, this is extremely significant, every single martyr gave his or her blood for the truth. Jesus Christ, professing his or her faith in Jesus Christ and for the truth that he teaches. To believe in Jesus, to adore Jesus, means to heed his teachings and to be faithful to his teachings and the teachings of the church. And this is also why that feast of St. Peter, the chair of St. Peter on January the 18th is so significant. Because the chair of Peter is the cathedra of truth. The truth must be propagated, taught and preserved, genuine and pure. That's the mission of the Pope. That's the mission of the Holy Father. He has to be the first one to be ready to give his life and to shed his blood so that Catholic truth may be taught, loved, embraced, lived and preserved. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I love Thee. Jesus, I live for Thee. Jesus, I suffer for Thee. 
Jesus, I die for thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.